All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from the Borough of Queens in New York City. It is the 10th day of January, 2023. And I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, and also uh, for those of you who are not on our current mailing list, I want to invite you to send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com, questions the number four, taylor at gmail.com, to request inclusion on our email list so that you can remain informed of our weekly topics and guests for upcoming podcasts that we plan to post uh, at 3 o'clock p.m. New York time every Wednesday starting on January 25th. Yes, uh, while we have been going live on air for over the past 13 years and nine months on Voice America Business Channel, starting on Wednesday, January 25th, we will need to go to, or you will need to go to my website at jtaylormedia.com or to my YouTube channel, jtaylormedia, to listen to future guest interviews that are done on Turning Hard Times to Good Times. While we are on the topic of the changes that we are making, I, I have to admit that it is that it does sadden me to leave the Voice America Business Channel, and I have to say, I have been remiss in not giving credit to two people who have been amazing friends over the years. First, I want to thank my producer Tacy Trump, who is responsible for this show being invented. Actually, Tacy contacted me nearly 14 years ago to invite me to do my own show. It has been a lot of fun, so much fun, in fact, that at my age 75, I feel the need to continue doing pretty much the same thing for the foreseeable future, though with a little less structure than at Voice America. Uh, so I do want to say a great big thanks to Tacy for, um, for getting me uh, this gig over the last 14, nearly 14 years. The other person who has been so important in making this show happen and run smoothly is my engineer, Matt Widener. Matt has been an amazing calming factor when on a few occasions over the years, guests have not shown up for one reason or another, or there were technical difficulties. Matt has not only been calm, cool, and collected when the unexpected has taken place, but I could always count on him having pre-recorded interviews ready to go for the show. Exactly when that was needed, when they were needed to be available, they were always there. So it is with considerable sadness that I will be saying goodbye, at least professionally, to both Matt and Tacy. Uh, I wish them both the very best into an infinite future. So over time, circumstances, friends, and acquaintances do change. Given my age and the fact that my wife and I are grandparents for the first time, we do want to have a bit more time 
with family and some more leisurely moments in life before the good Lord calls us home from the trials and tribulations of this earthly existence. But I do expect, at least for the foreseeable future, to continue interviewing many of the same guests that I have interviewed on this show, including but not limited to people like Michael Oliver. I expect Michael will be with me every other week, as he has been. Alistair McLeod, Bob Moriarty, David Stockland, John Rubino, uh, Daniel Lycaye, uh, Lynn Alden, and Chen Lin, to name just a few. The show won't be interrupted with commercials in the future, but I will be interviewing CEOs of some of my favorite junior uh, gold and silver mining companies. That will They will be sponsors to this new endeavor. Keep in mind that companies that are sponsors on this show have really been those that I have personally invested in and have also covered in the newsletter with rare exceptions. Um, And they are companies that I have chosen because I believed in in the potential uh, into the future. They are high risk, high reward type investments and investors should be aware of that. And we try to make people aware of that um, in our discussions with the companies uh, when we talk to them on this show. And of course, in my newsletter, yeah, you can, uh, of course, keep up with all of the companies that are listed uh, that, that are sponsors of this show and many more beyond that if you subscribe to Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks at miningstocks.com. Uh, with turning hard times into good times, um, moving, moving into this different format, the list of current sponsors had dwindled down to just one for today. And that sponsor is Timberline Resources. So thanks to Timberline for making this show possible today. In just a few minutes after the first commercial break, I will be speaking with Patrick Highsmith, the president and CEO of Timberline, for an update on that company's very promising Carlin-style gold discovery in Nevada and a very exciting silver-rich carbonate replacement system as well. Both of those are located along the same trend and just to the south of the very exciting uh, I-80 Gold Corp's Ruby Hill project. Um, and so those are in, in Nevada projects that are very exciting. And I, I think that we might hear something from Patrick uh, in just a few minutes from now in terms of what might, what sort of catalyst might um, make this investment rewarding for people uh, in, um, in 2023. Timberline is a company that I own and has been, uh, has been true with most sponsors in the show. Timberline is a recommendation in my newsletter with gold and silver looking really very, very positive right now as we start this new year. Um, I hope you will consider consider subscribing to my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. I'm really excited about this year and the potential uh, for gold and silver uh, investments. I've titled today's show, um, Gold Shares and Other Bargains. Kevin Duffy and Patrick Highsmith are my guests today. It seems likely that gold and silver miners should have a great year in 2023, given that both metals appear to be in the early stages of a new bull market, even as stocks are headed much, much lower, at least in my view. And I think that's what you'll hear from Kevin Duffy as well. It is also possible if central banks are unable to uh, to tame the inflation that interest rates may still be heading much higher. Well, I hope that's not the case, but that could very well be the case in my view. As we uh, head into the recession, that is, as we head into a recession, the odds strongly favor declining earnings, which along with higher interest rates are sure to compress price earnings ratios. That's usually what happens anyway. Uh, I believe the pain from overvalued stocks and bonds is just now getting started. The overvaluations were caused because of virtually free money uh, generated by central banks. 
Um, and they are all indoctrinated on a religion named Keynesianism. That has worked very well for our ruling elite who think the wisdom of a few Ivy League PhDs know more than the collective wisdom of millions of free market participants regarding questions such as, well, what should the costs, what should interest rates be? What should the cost of capital be? As if a few really bright people would know more than millions of collective uh, operators in the system. So this is straight out of communist and fascist models, and it has led to massive redistribution of wealth by directing capital into the paper markets away from the mining, manufacturing, and farmers, farming uh, activities, which are industries that provide good middle-class jobs and create wealth. Low interest rates manipulated by the Fed has not only led to the poverty of the middle class, but it has also resulted in the highest debt to net worth in American history uh, since World War II. Uh, because of the manipulation of markets that has led to massive overvaluations of paper assets, stocks and bonds. There is an opportunity now if you recognize that the pendulum is starting to swing out uh, and back towards uh, in the other direction. Uh, production of real things, it seems to be where we're headed as opposed to fantasy stocks that can only thrive when money is free as it has been virtually over the last number of uh, decades. I firmly believe that owning financially strong companies that produce life's necessities like food, energy, and actual um, actual money that is in the form of gold will enable investors to turn the tables in their favor. But most people will be too slow in recognizing the turn because they will continue to believe what they hear in the mainstream media, which is used by the elite to perpetuate the status quo. Well, Kevin Duffy uh, is certainly one guest who understands free markets and the carnage that Fed mani uh, market manipulation has caused. Kevin is an Austrian school economic thinker, and he understands that gold is actual legal money, even if governments claim otherwise. Uh, but Kevin is also a realist, and he has learned not to let his understanding of ideal free markets deprive him of profiting in uh, the corrupt, manipulated system that we are forced to thrive in or to, to use anyway. So I'm going to really uh, be interested in hearing what Kevin has to say. He, uh, he did extremely well in the, uh, in the financial crisis of 2008, 2009, made tons of money during that time frame. And then he went into a period of time where he, um, well, he didn't know how to make money in good times. And since uh, Kevin has learned how to do that, He's uh, done extremely well. His, uh, since he started writing his coffee can uh, portfolio, it is, uh, it is uh, well, over the last two and a half, two and three quarters years, it has outperformed the S&P dramatically. It's up something like 42% to 19% for the S&P uh, 500. So really, uh, really happy to hear what Kevin has to say in the second half of today's show. and uh, But right now we are going to be going to break, but don't go away because when we come back, Patrick Highsmith will join me to talk about what he what what is being planned this year uh, in the first quarter, in the early parts of this year anyway, uh, by Timberline Resources. And as I say, it's a company that has made a Carlin-style gold discovery. Uh, it is a very low cap market, uh, market stock, and I think it has tremendous potential. So uh, I think you'll want to stick around to hear what Patrick has to say. Don't go away. We'll be right back after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Timberline Resources is a mineral exploration and resource development company focused on gold discovery in the world-class mining jurisdiction of Nevada. The company's flagship Eureka Project hosts a significant gold resource and drill-indicated upside potential at nearby higher-grade targets. Timberline Resources trades in Canada under the symbol TBR and on the OTCQB in the U.S. under the symbol TLRS. To learn more about this district-scale asset with exciting discovery potential, please visit www.timberlineresources.co. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back, Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have Patrick Highsmith with me once again. He is the president and CEO of Timberline Resources. It's a mineral exploration resource development company focused on gold and copper discoveries in north central Nevada, USA. And, um, well, I, I think we might say gold and copper and probably silver and maybe some other metals as well. But the focus has been on primarily on gold, I would say. Uh, he is also the chairman of Firefox Gold Corp, and he's had a long history, um, quite a few years, about three decades or so of experience in exploration, and he's been with major mining companies uh, as, as a professional geologist and an executive with companies like Rio Tinto, BHP Billiton, Newmont, Lithium One, Pure Energy Minerals, and Fortescue Metals a Group in Australia. And, uh, well, he's worked on a whole lot of projects, lots of experience. He is a very talented man, and we're very pleased to have him today. He he does, as I mentioned, he works, uh, he is the chairman of Firefox, but today we're going to talk to him about Timberline, and um, which is located in Nevada, is, their project is located in Nevada's Eureka Gold Belt. Uh, the company trades in uh, in the U.S. under the symbol TLRS. You can buy it in Canada under the symbol TBR, 159.7 million shares. Uh, I traded earlier today at 15.5 cents, now it's 13 cents. It gives it a market cap around 21 million. Uh, it has 508 thousand ounces of gold in the measured and indicated um, category and another 141,000 in the inferred category. So it is a junior with a resource already, but it has an awful lot more uh, in mind than a, than a mere half a million ounces of gold. And uh, so really happy to have Patrick with us again. Thanks for joining me, Patrick. Hello, Jay. Good to be with you. It's always good to have you. Um, and, you know, we've had a, a couple of years that haven't been all that exciting for gold and silver, but it looks to me like we could be turning the corner. Last time we had you on uh, was November 1, 
Uh, and then just a few days later, you reported some assays from the Waterwell Zone, which is, I know, is a very highly prospective, some really great numbers there, uh, which is down dip from the resources, I understand it, uh, from that resource I just mentioned. Um, what, what did you learn from the results of your drilling program in 2022? You know, Jay, we're, we've just, uh, wrapped up the drilling in, in sort of, uh, November and, and still waiting actually on a few assays, probably early next week or possibly late this week, we'll announce the final holes from that program, Jay. But mm-hmm. the takeaway there was that the water well zone, uh, is a significant, uh, new discovery. We, we really believe we're inside the footprint of a discovery that, that could be uh, a couple of million ounces of gold or, or more. Now, it's mm-hmm. not a resource yet. It is down dip from the resource you mentioned, which comes to surface, by the way. And that's mm-hmm. really been the story at the Eureka project is we knew we had this oxidized gold at surface. There were significant heap leach production here. Uh, as you and I have discussed in the past, dating back to the 1980s. Uh, and we went in a couple of years ago with some new institutional investors, kind of uh, revamped the management team a little bit, and we realized that these higher-grade uh, rocks down dip from that resource were really the best place to, uh, to sort of show the market and the world that this 29-square-mile project has the potential for multi-million-ounce discoveries and that those will come with grade. And so uh, just to sum up the answer to your question, our, our real takeaway from this year's program is that it's clear that we do have a consistently mineralized system. Uh, it's called the water well zone. It is at a contact between the Dunderberg shale and the underlying Hamburg formation. And what keeps happening, Jay, is every time we drill that contact, we hit gold. Early in the year and into the second quarter, we were showing really strong intercepts of over 40 meters of continuously mineralized rock. One of those holes on the north end averaged 44 meters of 4.1 grams gold with a nice uh, 12-meter run of over 9 grams within that. And then almost half a kilometer south of that, we drilled another hole, reported that a little later, and that was 41 meters of 5.1 grams of gold, Mm. which had a 20-meter interval of 9.5 grams, Jay. So Mm -hmm. we followed up on that. We'll report a couple of more step-out holes as we end up the reporting of this program, uh, perhaps early next week. And then we're turning towards what we expect to be a very, very, very busy 2023 at the water well zone and at several other targets on the property. Yeah, I mean, there's the Oswego target, uh, windfall target, and I guess the, the resources at Lookout Mountain, is that right? That's right. The, the resource itself is over on the west side, as we've been discussing, which is uh, the Lookout Trend, and, and that's where the water well zone sits. And then sort of in the middle of the property is a, a smaller trend, but with some really good new numbers coming out last year, uh, an area called Oswego. We put a couple of more holes in there this year, but we really didn't focus there. And then on the east and northeast side of the property, there's an area that's over eight kilometers long with drill-indicated gold called the, called the windfall zone or the windfall trend. And there uh, were three open pits uh, on our uh, claims, Jay, that produced over 115,000 ounces of gold back in the 80s. And uh, we've got a number of good uh, drill-indicated hits around that. And I guess uh, even further north from there, uh, folks will recall that the Eureka District was originally a silver district. Silver, mm-hmm. zinc, and lead were discovered there in the early 1860s. And that's what led to its heyday when it was the second biggest silver producer in America. 
And then, of course, our, our neighbor to the north, I-80 Gold Corp., has been reporting some fantastic drill results at their Ruby Hill project for gold. But they've also really made news with very high-grade silver intercepts in a carbonate replacement uh, deposit type system that is uh, hearkening back to those original days of Eureka. And, uh, and we've got a few silver targets up our sleeves uh, ourselves, uh, Jay, that we intend to hit in 2023. Yeah, um, so that silver, did you, I think you, you've had some silver, uh, you've, you've hit into this carbonate replacement system, some silver values in a drill hole or so, have you, at, at this stage? That, that's right, that's right, Jay. A couple of our uh, deeper holes, uh, mostly to just the north and the east, from the water well zone where we hit this gold, uh, we've hit long runs of, you know, medium-grade silver, uh, but over 200 meters of it in a couple of cases, 200 mm-hmm. meters of 5 to 6 grams silver with lead, zinc, and lower levels of gold. And that's the southernmost uh, discovery that we know of, of, of a carbonate replacement-type system uh, in the Eureka District, and that's a little deeper. We will be returning to that area. Our mutual friend, Quentin Henney, keeps telling us we've got to drill some deep holes under that because that's <laughs> where I-80 Gold and uh, and others have had some success uh, there. So we will return to that area. Uh, we, we call that the Graben Zone there and the, the silver associated with it. But there's also some silver that comes to surface, Jay, uh, farther north uh, in the vicinity of uh, an area we call New York Canyon, only a couple of kilometers from I-80 Gold's property. And, uh, and we've had those claims in the, in the uh, company for a long time now, but there were a few small properties uh, interior to that that we are in the works uh, of acquiring that have some silver mineralization that we look forward to be talking about very, very soon. Um, so uh, these are small acreage, but they're patented claims, Jay. And as you know, mm. patented claim is effectively private property with both surface and mineral rights. And they've been held for over a generation uh, in private, uh, in some cases, families and private groups. Uh, and uh, we expect to do some more consolidating and to roll out some exciting silver targets. I think before, uh, certainly before mid-February, we hope to have some news in that. And that'll, that should set up our calendar pretty well, giving us about three areas of focus for 2023. Oh, that's uh, really exciting. Uh, so you have, um, uh, uh, do you have any idea yet how, what you're going to be doing the first quarter or so? I mean, what, how will you start the year? What will your exploration program look like? Yeah, absolutely. We, we uh, are still crunching data, as I said, so folks will see some new maps and new cross-sections coming out. Uh, next week with this news release that will update us primarily on the water well zone. Uh, we've been looking at targets uh, at the windfall trend and expect to be turning out probably a, uh, a sort of exploration outlook uh, uh, disclosure probably in February running up to around PDAC time when we'll be talking with folks. We don't expect the drills to come back in first quarter, Jay, but probably with a bit of luck uh, earlier in second quarter, uh, than last year. We hope to have drills turning by April, May. And, uh, so first quarter, it's, uh, you know, processing data, uh, tying up some, uh, hopefully some new acquisitions that are just small property deals that we'll discuss, mm-hmm. uh, when those are completed. And then planning a drill program to hit and focus on the water well zone, uh, the windfall trend where we have, again, uh, oxide gold mineralization coming to surface and some good indications of sulfide roots beneath that. And then, as I said, I think there'll be some silver and gold-silver targets 
uh, on some of these newer targets, which, which we'll be uh, uh, mentioning during the first quarter disclosures as well. Yeah, I guess you, you mentioned patented projects, uh, patented land. That, I guess, means it's probably easier to get permits and to start working on those than it is uh, those unpatented claims. That's generally true. We hold a very large land position that includes a plan of operations, Jay, which gives mm-hmm. us over 250 permitted drill sites, mostly uh, along mm-hmm. the lookout trend, which is many kilometers north-south. And that's a big area where we are fully permitted to drill, which is exciting. Uh, but you're quite right. At Windfall, where we hold patented claims, and in other areas where we hold patented claims, uh, it is much easier, particularly if access to these properties is good. One doesn't have to go across uh, the federal land uh, with any dozers or anything like that. And that's just the situation at Eureka. We have beautiful road access to our project, and we have patented claims with tremendous access. So it is true that you can move quicker with drilling uh, and that exploration activity, both at our Windfall trend area, uh, that mm-hmm. we hold, where we hold patents and at some of these new targets that we'll be talking about uh, early in the new year. Well, you certainly do. You said 29 square kilometers? Miles. Uh, miles. miles. Okay. 70 square yeah. kilometers. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And uh, and you mentioned the windfall target of which there's some patented claims there. That I think I heard you say stretches eight kilometers in, uh, in length. That's right. Yeah, it's a big area with those three open pits I mentioned, and then drilling to the south of that and a bit to the north as well. If if folks have been following our neighbors at Golden Lake Exploration, uh, they've been doing some drilling right on the property line just north of our windfall trend. So it's a well-established gold trend, and uh, we look forward to getting the drills back there in 2023 for the first time in a number of years. Crestcat Capital is a major shareholder. Are there any other uh, institutions that are in there? Yes, our, our biggest uh, shareholder outside the board is Crescat Capital, uh, mm-hmm. and they are, I, I suppose it varies, but they're over a 10% shareholder, maybe 13 or 14% of the companies issued mm-hmm. an outstanding. At the board level, we have about 16% of the stock, and mm-hmm. then we also have a large fund out of London called the Jupiter Gold and Silver Fund. They manage about a billion dollars, and Jupiter owns about 9.9% of Timberline. So a nice, strong institutional base. And uh, we've got a lot of skin in the game ourselves at the board level. A lot of skin in the game, and some were paging through your uh, your presentation, your corporate presentation. It's online; people can go and look at it. I think there's some reference uh, looking, uh, sort of targeting something more than five million ounces. I I guess you know you need those kind of numbers these days to make things work. Um, and I guess it, it seems as though you certainly have a lot to shoot at, and some really good starting points there with that Carlin mineralization um, at the waterfall zone. So uh, I, I guess um, we, we should be watching, I guess, no drill results first quarter, but well, other than those that haven't come in from this drill session. We, I mean, we should be getting some updated drill. We should be getting some drill results from the 2022 program yet, and then later on in the year, I guess. That's right. Uh, the, the next news release people will see will be the last of our drill results from 2022. Uh, and then we'll be uh, making any announcements on any small acquisitions or, or new targets that have emerged. Those will both come uh, pretty soon. And uh, we'll be at uh, PDAC meeting with folks and sort of planning at that point to begin drilling in uh, hopefully April, May. So uh, a lot of news flow uh, coming in the, in the sort of heart of the field season. And uh, we'll kick that off with a January uh, release of news uh, from drilling uh, late in 2022, which will just be probably early next week. I'm guessing you'll probably need to raise some capital uh, this year, though, 
um, especially if you really hope to do an aggressive program. Crestcat, no doubt, will be there, I, I would imagine. Um, any comments on that? Yeah, that's that's right, Jay. We, you know, the program went extraordinarily well. Uh, not only were we on time with this year's program, we drilled mostly core instead of RC, uh, which mm-hmm. is more expensive drilling, but it yields higher quality. But I'm happy to say we shaved about 20% off our drilling costs for both core and RC drilling. Steve Osterberg, our vice president of exploration, delivered the program on time and under budget, and uh, we ended the year with over a million point four or something like that in, mm-hmm. in the bank. Um, which is plenty when you're not drilling, uh, as you know, but yeah. certainly to hit the kind of program we hope to uh, execute, uh, we will be uh, doing some marketing and, and looking to raise money appropriately. And, uh, you know, all indications are that our, our big shareholders will be there for us. We've met with all of those folks and kept them informed, uh, the two I mentioned, plus, uh, plus a few others. So, uh, yeah, we're optimistic. And, of course, the macro world of gold price, Jay, as you know, certainly dominates most um, in our space, you know, non-revenue generating companies that, that are out mm-hmm. there to go find gold so the big boys can, can come uh, hopefully uh, mine it, uh, you know, buy it from us or mine it with us. And uh, as a result, you know, you look at last year, we had great results. We, we traded up strongly in the first quarter on those drill results. And into, the, and into the second quarter. But then, of course, we saw quite a, a doldrums come in in gold price, which, which hammered us and everybody else back. And so we're attuned to that. The, the, ma- the macro climate always sort of overwhelms what we do. But we think a big discovery on this huge property, on a major gold trend in Nevada, uh, with really exciting news all around us, particularly to our north with I-80 gold, we think the momentum is with us and the wind will be in our sails. And uh, we've drilled some, uh, a great new discovery uh, that we've been reporting on over the last two seasons, mm-hmm. which we think will, uh, will again, set us up well for the future. Yeah, the water well zone, absolutely. Well, we'll look, certainly be looking forward to the information and that comes forward and uh, the new acquisitions that you're talking about. And, and certainly if, we, if we're right about the, the direction of the precious metals markets, that will put some wind in your sails. And it won't just be the big guys, the big shareholders, but a lot of other little people will, will want to be coming in too. I'm, I'm quite certain of that in the right environment with some great results, which uh, I'm hoping for, and I know you are even more so. Well, thank you uh, very much, Patrick, for joining us again and giving us an update. It is an exciting story, and uh, we'll hope to keep up with you in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jay. Good to be here as always. All right. Thank you. All right, folks, uh, don't go away because Kevin Duffy will be with me uh, right after the break. And Kevin has, you know, he's he's learned to make money in good times as well as bad times. He first uh, rose... Uh, into the limelight when he made tons of money in the 2008-2009 stock market uh, crash, uh, the financial market uh, debacle that we all suffered through. Uh, And then he had little trouble making money in good times. He's since learned how to do that too, uh, beating the S&P 500 over the last three years uh, very substantially. So uh, Kevin will be back with us right after the break, so don't go away. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm really happy to tell you that Kevin Duffy is with me once again. He is the uh, uh, he's had a, a very good career in the past. He's done extremely well uh, with the Bering uh, Core Fund. Uh, it's a contrarian macro themed hedge fund uh, with a flexible mandate, and they did they did extremely well during the 2008-2009 financial uh, crisis. Um, he, he has had a, a very good career. Uh, he had a little trouble making money a few years after uh, the, you know, he, he, I guess he liked the bad times. He made more money in the bad times. <laughs> but then he said, how am I going to make money when times are good? And he learned how to do that, too, which is why I'm really happy to have him here. The coffee can portfolio that Kevin, uh, that he, that is, that is in his newsletter, and I guess he manages it uh, for himself, maybe for some other people, too. I'm not sure he, he can tell us about that. Uh, but he just sent me a note and actually uh, updated the performance so far since the inception of uh, the newsletter, the Coffee Can Portfolio. Uh, that goes back uh, January, I think, 2020 sometime. Uh, it's up 55.97%. Uh, that compares to the S&P during that time of 20.86%. So those of you, uh, you might want to perk up your ears and listen to what Kevin has to say if he can do that. If you can beat the S&P by that amount, you might want to pay attention. Very few hedge funds are doing that these days. So, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Jay. Thanks for having me back. It's really good to have you. Um, yeah, so uh, your fund started exactly, I think, February 18th, 2020, I'm reading here. That's right. So that so that 55.97% uh, gain is since that date, February 18th, 2020. At the same time, the S&P has gained 20.86%. Gold is up 15%, CPI up 15%. So gold has kept up slightly ahead of the CPI. Your portfolio has knocked the cover off the ball uh, against gold, against the CPI, and against the 
S&P 500 and global equities uh, managed a, smear, a small gain of about 5%. Uh, so here's the question, Kevin. We'll start off with this, and I know we have a lot more to talk about, but regarding your performance now, as I, as I said, you you know you did extremely well. I mean, you had like a triple-digit gain in 2008, 2009. And then you had a little trouble figuring out how to make money when times got good. Uh, was there a change in your investment philosophy that allowed you to turn things around and do so well in all market environments? Hopefully you'll do well in this one. There, there was a, a major change. And um, you know the change came from making really a, a pretty big mistake. And, and that was um, basically uh, sticking with the, the program that uh, worked so well in in the past, and, and really not adapting and, and changing with the new environment. Um, and uh, I think finally, oh, you know, we went through this uh, decade of of ZERP uh, markets just continuing to go up, and essentially, uh, we we made money shorting the credit bubble, and uh, we were very skeptical that uh, all of the uh, the money that was being poured into the into the market. Um, easy credit would uh, would be successful, and so we, you know, essentially stayed short, and mm-hmm. uh, that was a disaster. And mm-hmm. so, um, I I think it was. Uh, it's it's hard to say exactly when I kind of hit bottom, but I I really did, and I I, I realized I needed to kind of just take everything down to the foundation, start over. Uh, and and figure out what I was doing right, what I was doing wrong, and uh, you know, so there were a bunch of lessons that I, I learned from that, and probably rules, and I applied those to uh, to really going forward and, and completely changing my my approach. Mm-hmm. So, well, you, yeah, as I understand it, you you know believe in the Austrian school of economics. You still do, probably, but the real world doesn't run on Austrian economics; it runs on Keynesian economics. And so was that part of it was to say, well, I, I believe there's the ideal, there's the model that I think the way the world should be, but here's the way it really is. And I've got to live in the world as it really is rather, rather than the one that I think should be. I think that's part of it, but um, I had to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I felt uh-huh. like, um, like the Austrian lens, the non-interventionist lens uh, was, uh, was appropriate um, and I think the problem, there were there were several lessons and, and several problems that I had to deal with. You know, one is that as a short seller, uh, you're really putting yourself in a position to get wiped out. Mm-hmm. And so the first lesson in all this is is your number one goal is survival. I mean, mm-hmm. never forget that. That's the number one goal. And uh, and so you really have to be thinking about asymmetric bets. Um, and you know, this is why venture capitalists do so well. They have a lot of losing bets, but they have one big one that is a monster home run. It makes up for all the other ones. Mm-hmm. As you're, if you're a short seller, it works the other way around. Mm-hmm. If you make one really bad bet, it can wipe you out. Right. So I right. think that was really the first lesson that I had to learn is that it's okay to be bearish. It's okay to hedge and, and that sort of thing. But you really have to um, you have to be very uh, careful about it and and have very tight risk controls. I think the other thing is, and this is a danger with Austrian economics, is not to get overly dogmatic. Mm-hmm. That you have to have balance. You can't just focus on 
all of the negatives because they're very visible. The negatives mm -hmm. from government intervention are visible. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the things that are, are not so visible, the things that are hidden tend to be longer term secular uh, trends that are positive. And so I think that was the second lesson that I, I took from all this was you have to have balance in your life. You can't get too overly dogmatic. You have to cross pollinate, um, be able to to uh, even people that you disagree with. Sometimes they're going to be right. And mm -hmm. so you have to have more of an of, a, of an open mind. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was a, a big lesson. And then um, and, and part of that is having having multiple tools in your toolbox. So when uh, when all you're focused on is being a short seller and, and all the negatives, um, you, you know, it's it's the old idea of, of when all you have is a hammer, everything is a nail. Right. So you're, you lose your objectivity, I think, that mm -hmm. way. You know, you're constantly waiting for the next and praying for the next bear market. And, um, you know, there's so much more going on than just all the negatives. There's there are multiple threads playing together into this future that's unfolding. And I think it's just a, a, a lot more interesting world and a realistic world than just focusing on all the, on all the negatives. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that uh, served you very well. And I think I've, I probably have learned some of the same lessons uh, to a certain extent. You mentioned venture capitalists. You and I both know Chen Lin and he certainly thrives on that. It seems everything that I pick up that Chen wants to buy though doesn't work out. But he'll have, <laughs> he'll have a couple of them that are, you know, 100 baggers or whatever that, um, that get him over the finish. You know, he's done extremely well. So, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, all right. Well, let's get on to your view of 2023. Um, you sent a note to me. You said we, we might want to discuss the everything bubble, which, uh, which phase we're in right now and where we're likely headed. Uh, so maybe we'll start with that. I mean, here you are, you're, you're recognizing, as you say, the Austrian school, uh, people that, that understand it can easily see the problems with government intervention. I think that the Keynesians don't see those problems, or at least they don't want to, maybe they don't want to see them because they're doing just fine with this program. But, uh, where are we now in this everything bubble? You're calling this, is this the bubble, the mother of all bubbles? Is that what you're referring to here? something really big? Yeah, I th I think it is. I think it's the greatest bubble that the world has ever seen. Uh, I don't think that's really an exaggeration. Um, and, you know, bubbles go through phases, obviously. They they go through a, a long, slow buildup, um, and then they go through this uh, parabolic rise. And, you know, they go from uh, skepticism to mm -hmm. to optimism to euphoria. And, you know, when you go through that that um, that parabolic rise, you, you're at the euphoria part. And bubbles are collective detachments from reality. That's what mm -hmm. they are. And mm -hmm. um, you get that euphoric uh, burst at the end of them. And um, you get then you get a lot of backward look. You know, all the, all the people that didn't see this happening now are, are rationalizing why it happened, why it will continue, why it's different this time. And then the uh, you get the peak and you start it's, as things start to roll over, you go into denial um, and and then that passes through to fear and then capitulation and then finally despair, which is basically hitting rock bottom, uh, kind of like what I went through personally mm -hmm. is uh, you hit rock bottom and you actually change behavior. So the, 
I believe that we're probably in somewhere in the denial phase. Maybe in some cases we're we're in uh, we've reached levels of fear. We're in that, but I don't think that we've gotten into the capitulation phase yet. Mm-hmm. There are um, you know just a lot of examples of this. You see uh, cash levels at Schwab and cash levels at Robinhood still have not gone up a whole heck of a lot. Um, you have the government uh, passing $1.7 trillion um, omnibus spending bills full of pork. You know, they haven't gotten the memo yet that we're in a different world. So I think there's still a lot of denial. Um, you see it in the technology space with companies that um, have been uh, able to basically burn cash and uh, spend lots of money on R&D and on, on marketing expense and you know, you haven't seen the wholesale cuts yet, but you're starting to get a glimpse of that. You're starting to get the layoffs um, at the big tech companies. And so, um, you know, I think we're starting to move into that fear phase. And and we've seen, you know, again, trying to get some balance here. It's not all black and white. It's not like, oh, well, we're in, we're exactly here. You yeah. have different parts of the market. And mm-hmm. you've had like last year, IPOs generated less than $8 billion. That was down 95% from 2021. So there have been some definitely moves in the right direction. You know, Mm -hmm. we're moving in the right direction. I think that's important to note. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, as I look at the markets right now, actually, Kevin, I mean, we're looking at the Dow. Well, we're looking at NASDAQ. It's up uh, almost three quarters of a point. You know, I'm looking at the chart you sent along. There's a return to normal idea that there's a denial then there's uh you know like a like a bull trap like people say oh well you know maybe it's uh you know it's just i don't really believe this is anything serious just a tiny correction then you go back up and people start to feel like well maybe it's maybe it's over and then you get the really big drop and and then the bottom falls out at some point in time yeah these capitulation things i've seen in the past and it's when you, if you say, I, I can remember feeling this way myself. People tell you to go out and buy stocks; they're cheap now. You just saw the blood in the streets, and you're saying, "Are you kidding me? I'm not going to buy any stocks. Never want to know. I never want to see a stock again." That's when you get ca- capitulation, right? We've seen that in the past. We're yes. nowhere near that. We're we're nowhere near that right now. No, I don't. I don't think we are, Jay. And and I mean, uh-huh. you, you and I have we we both we experienced the '87 crash. That was capitulation. Yeah, uh, we saw what it was like in in two thousand eight. Um, you know, and and today, just as an example, the um, the Wilshire five thousand uh, as a percentage of GDP, um, it got up as high as two hundred percent. We're now at one hundred and forty eight percent. Well, the peak in two thousand, the top of the tech bubble was two hundred uh, was one hundred and forty three percent. So we're actually higher. Than than that level in in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think there's another thing. So we could it, it, there's another lesson here or another rule that that I use uh, coffee can rule number eight, which is it's a market of stocks, not a stock market. And uh-huh. you, can, I think it's important not to get too wrapped up in oh you know the market is here and we're we're here in in the cycle um, because bubbles spawn anti bubbles, and so. There's always something going on, especially in a bubble. There are people forget that in March of 2000, when the, the NASDAQ peaked at over 5,000, 
a lot of these old economy value stocks actually troughed at exactly the same time. Uh, uh-huh. So it was a mirror. These things are mirror images. And so I think we have to you know, keep that in mind as well, not just say, well, OK, we're we're here in the cycle. We're going to go to 100 percent cash. I don't, I don't think it's that simple. All right. Well, let's go to some of the ideas that you have with predictions or at least these are. Yeah, these are views that you're taking right now. The first one, the economy comes in for the for a hard landing. So you see, I guess this is what you've been saying. We're nowhere near that. We're going to see the bottom fall out. I mean, the tech stocks, those those kinds of companies that don't have any earnings that thrive on zero interest rates, they've already gotten clocked pretty hard. Do you think they still have further to go? I, I think you just have to take it on a case by case basis. Yeah, and right. um, you know, if I look at a stock like uh, maybe Microsoft or, or uh-huh. Apple, uh, mm-hmm. it seems to me like these stocks have further to go. Um, you look at some of these money losing tech stocks. You know, some of them will be able to cut their marketing expenses and their R and D expenses, and and some of this is just they look they appear to be money losing, but um, uh, you know, if you really look behind the accounting. Uh, those the, the marketing expense is really acquiring customers and if you if you keep uh-huh. if you have a software business and you and those customers are around for 10 or 20 years and you're running that through your your income statement then um, you know it's not giving you a, a real good indication of the profitability but um, but there are going to be uh, I think there's still a lot of sort of zombies out there that mm-hmm. uh, that need to be taken out and shot. Um, and, and we're, you know, we're moving through that process, but I, I don't think we're there yet. And there's still pockets of, of extreme overvaluation. Uh, I think when you look at the passive bubble and, and a company like BlackRock or, um, some of these other companies that are kind of wrapped up in, uh, ESG ratings, they still have very high multiples, like 20, 30 times earnings or, or more. So there are pockets out there. But at the same time, there are a lot of cheap stocks as well. Yeah, and that's what you focus on in your letter. You uh, always have some some uh, very interesting ideas there. Um, active management outperforms passive management. I guess that goes along with the idea that it's a market of stocks, not a stock market. Yeah, and I think um, for me, the uh, the statistic there that I like to bring out is that we've had over the past five years roughly $1.5 trillion flow out of Active managed, actively managed funds into passively managed funds, and mm-hmm. of course, um, a lot of that money is going into the S and P 500. So mm-hmm. that is is one of my themes: is that I think that uh, a lot of the the risk right now is in the S and P 500 types of of, of stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned Apple, Microsoft. You know, still a lot of these uh, these these big tech stocks seem to be that's where the pockets of overvaluation are and i think the opportunities are looking across the index divide companies that are are not in the s&p 500 um, and companies that have a higher uh, insider ownership uh, so the indexes are float weighted which means that if you have low uh, insider ownership you're you're more likely to make it into into the popular indexes so um, i just think that this is where people have been it's let's put it this way. Last year, uh, the whole idea of autopilot investing, it kind of hit an iceberg. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it was the 6040 portfolio <laughs> did not work. The S&P 500 <laughs> did not work last year. And, and I, I think that will continue. I think that the autopilot, that whole mindset that 
this this is a simple game. It's an easy game. Just just put your money into an index fund or or the sixty forty portfolio. I don't think that's going to work um, moving forward for a while. Could no, we're going to have to we're we're going to have to work a little harder, and I'm going to have to work a little harder to cover all the topics. My engineer tells me <laughs> we only have three minutes left here, so we got to get going. Okay. Uh, gold gold regains its luster. You're suggesting. What do you see? Uh, why gold in 2023? Yeah, well, um, you know, gold had a pretty rough uh, two years. And um, it's interesting, uh, August of, uh, what, uh, 2020, it had, it had a nice run, but um, peaked at a little over $2,000 an ounce. And at the time, year-over-year year CPI was about 1%. And, right. and then it goes to the 40-year uh, highs uh, over eight or nine percent, and and gold goes nowhere. It actually goes down, and I think this shows just how how strange markets can, and confounding they can be. And uh, I, I feel like uh, wouldn't it be interesting if we see CPI numbers come down and could come down quite dramatically in a recession, and um, and that gold becomes uh, a safe haven, and it could actually do just as it did not do well. When the CPI went from plus one percent to plus eight percent, if it were to go back down to plus five or plus four, um, I think it could actually do well. And I think part of that is has to do with the dollar as well. That's another another part of the story where I, I just feel like the dollar has peaked, and uh, a, a weak dollar is going to be uh, uh, gold bullish. And uh, with regard to the bond market, you see maybe a, a respite here in the short term, but likely higher interest rates, I guess, long term. Well, yeah, definitely. I feel like um, the bond market. We had a basically a forty-year uh, bull market in bonds um, that peaked with something like eighteen trillion dollars <laughs> negatively yielding bonds around the world, um, uh, and that uh, you know we're now going into a a long bear market. And bonds tend to go through these really long bull and bear markets. Um, so. I think we this could be a, a decades-long bear market. However, we, at least with the U.S. Treasuries, um, the, the bullish consensus got down to 21% bulls, which is the, the lowest it's been in a, in a very, very long time. And so it would not not surprise me that, especially if we get a, a deeper recession than people think, that bonds get a little bit of that safe haven status and there's a bit of a bounce back. But I think it would be a rally in a secular bear market. Okay, we're going to have to leave a go at that, Kevin. I'm I'm so sorry. We got to have to back again uh, to talk more because there's so many things I want to hear from you. But what? Where can people go to sign up for the coffee can portfolio? Go to uh, either do a Google search on the coffee can portfolio or just go to um, the coffeecanportfolio.com. All right, excellent. All right, very good. Thank you so much, Kevin. Sorry, we're out of time. Got to gotta go, uh, but okay. we'll, have you, we'll have you again sometime soon. All right. Well, next week uh, will be the last week on the Voice America Business Channel. Michael Oliver will join me to provide his give and take and, uh, on the economics and political headwinds that uh, Americans will have to face in 2023. And the Reverend Larry Bean of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the same church body that I am a member of, will join me to share some godly light at a time when it seems America and the entire Western world is heading towards the kind of government tyranny that, well, we once thought could only take place in communist and fascist dictatorships. That may be an overstatement. I'm afraid it's not. We will look uh, to the Reverend Bean to help us know how we can live joyful and purposeful lives when all around us seems to be headed 
heading towards darkness. So until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.